you are not alone, coach. But you might feel a little bit alone when the subject of being fit for cricket raises its head. So for the next few minutes, we're going to race through a bit of a primer on strength and conditioning for the humble cricket coach. I'm David Hinchliffe, a coach, but I've co-opted a co-host who can guide us all with some practical ways to help the players we coach improve their fitness. Welcome to Simon Smith. Hi, David. So everyone calls you Smudger, don't they? But um, tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Yeah, they do. And and you're welcome to call me Smudger if you like. Um, There's probably quite a few people who don't even know my real name, actually. Um, (laughs) Yeah, uh, husband and father and and former cricketer. And uh, and I now um, work for Cricket Scotland as the uh, lead strength and conditioning coach. And uh, yeah, we've met a few times. We've done a couple of things in the past, and um, you know, because I work in the system as well, you know, we've our, our paths have crossed a few times, haven't they? So um, uh, it's definitely you're definitely someone I trust when it comes to these topics. I'd say the average club coach probably does realise how important those factors are. Those fitness factors are speed and strength and, and fitness are, are, are all important things. They know that. The, most people know that, I'd say. But they don't really know what they can do about it without wasting the small amount of time that they have with players. You might only have an, an hour a week if you're a club coach with a group of players. So it, it's a difficult thing to know what to do or how much to do or where to start. So what, where can a club coach start if they are thinking about that side of the game? Yeah, yeah, you, you raise a good point. I think I think the first point is to is to try and get rid of that fear factor. Um, just move away if we can from from the labels because I think if you are thinking of yourself as a cricket coach and then you're thinking of wanting to integrate strength and conditioning or athletic development or physical literacy into your your coaching you might feel as though that's not something you're um, equipped to do or qualified to do but really just thinking about we're all coaches and we all have um, human beings in front of us which we want to help um, to develop as athletes as cricketers as humans so really just get rid of the labels um, you're a coach and help them along the journey and I think we can we'll probably cover some some ways that we can try and integrate some athletic development stuff into your coaching that can help you um, help your players get fitter faster stronger and more consistent as they go along I guess one of the big concerns when it comes to this sort of thing is uh, coaches who think well I don't want to get my player injured you know I, I worry about especially if you've got bowlers you know people people are tearing in and trying to get the ball down the other end as fast as they can and especially young kids and they're growing and all the rest of it I don't want to do anything I don't want to get them to do anything that's going to cause them an injury that's the last thing I want you know you want to you want to make sure that they're staying on the path so the the fear I guess that fear factor keeps often keeps people away from trying to do anything because they think well I don't know what what to do so I won't do anything so it when it comes to preventing injury where where is a good what's a good thing that we can do when it comes to that side I think I think the first thing is actually to to make sure you do include this sort of stuff in your coaching because um, not including it is probably your, your first passport to injury. Um, if you think about anything that you get asked to do in any sport, um, any athletic movement in any sport, when you break it down, there are a few fundamentals, uh, movement patterns and, and positions that people need to be able to get into. And if you can't do that, then that's limiting your ability to do that and do it repeatedly in your sport. 
sport. Um, so it follows that clearly if you, if you have the physical competency to do the technical stuff, you can then build the tactical and, and, and game-specific stuff on top of that. So you're kind of, um, if you're not integrating physical development into your coaching, you're not laying the foundations. You're actually building some, some, some cricketers who are more likely to get injured the more they play. And I guess that that we go back to that point about mindset about rather than thinking of the you know we've got fitness over here and we've got technique over here and we've got cricket over there and everything everything is separate and we just do a bit of that and we do a bit of that and then we, we've done everything. To thinking of it as sort of a integrated whole is is a, is a good way to think about it. And so where where do you go as a coach? Because you know the, if if a, if you're a coach with no experience in that world at all you might think oh well you know you go to the gym you run on the treadmill you lift up a few weights what 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 can I do as a coach to get you know the players that I coach to do something in along those lines and and actually there's loads isn't there yeah there is loads there's a lot of resource now um, online and also in person you, there are a number of uh, workshops and courses and, and other um, CPD opportunities but you're dead right just thinking about integrating it as fully as you possibly can and not worrying too much about whether you're giving time up or that you know you you um, you're compromising your opportunity to develop the cricket skills. Um, I would actually argue that if you can help them to move better, you know, have greater mobility and stability, better physical literacy, then they're actually better equipped to acquire the skills quicker um, anyway. So um, not so much about giving up time, but thinking about integrating into the time that you have. Warm-ups are a good example. Um, you may well spend five to 10 minutes on a warm-up at the start of your session. Well, that's valuable coaching time. At that, that, that time, you're obviously preparing them for the for the, the session ahead or the game ahead. But you could be covering in that short few minutes mobility, stability, physical literacy. There'll be some acceleration, deceleration, change of direction, um, and you're obviously getting their their hearts and minds engaged in the in the task ahead. So warm ups are a valuable coaching time, and you and you ignore that and and, and overlook that at, at your peril. Um, Similarly, during the session, um, there may well be what you, you might consider dead time uh, when you think about people moving from, from one task to another or from one uh, net or one game into another drill or what have you. Um, but you, there's always the opportunity to, to, to fill these, these gaps with some, some movement um, or some, some primers uh, in terms of preparing you for the, the skills or the drills or the game that you're about to do. Um, and I always think that's quite a good way to, to help make the connection with the athletes that they can see why you're doing it because you're doing it directly before or alongside the cricket skill that you're, you're preparing them for. Um, and it helps them to understand why you do it and it also helps them to then acquire the cricket skill um, more readily. Prime is a great word, isn't it? So I, I know we're in, we're in uh, audio mode here, so it's a difficult thing to, to describe, but can you maybe give us some kind of simple things that that you would count as a primer? Yeah, good, good call. So, um, well, say, say for batting, for example, uh, if you're going into bat in the nets or to do some batting drills or even to, to play a, a game and, and, you, and you're batting, clearly you need to get your head, hands and feet moving. Um, so there are one or two things that you can do to get yourself prepared for that. Um, Grant Bradburn has a lovely drill where there's some, some catching and some moving forwards and backwards so that you're, you're pressing and pushing off, um, advancing down the wicket, getting those feet moving. Um, 
for any of the skills that you're about to do, I think uh, skipping is hugely underrated. I think yeah, you can do a hell of a lot with with a skipping rope. Um, skipping rope, obviously, it does condition you. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit of a, a pulse raiser, but it's also generating some stiffness in the ankles and some spring. Um, and it's also uh, obviously good for coordination as well. So just a, a few skips as well before going into any of the activities is always is always a good idea. Um, for any of your, your catching or uh, pick up and throw activities, even for your bowling, um, there's, there's a huge amount of, of emphasis on uh, rotation and on pushing off and landing. Um, so clearly you need to produce and, and receive force well. So any sort of hopping and landing, any sort of jumping, anything that revolves around uh, throwing or tossing or slamming med balls. Um, we have a good drill uh, for our bowlers where we start on the knees and we jump up onto our feet. Um, and clearly um, that's good for explosive hip extension and it's good for receiving the force when you do land. Um, so any of those sorts of things, if you can do them to prepare for the activity you're about to do, um, you'll, you'll, you'll find some good benefits there. You mentioned a few pieces of equipment there, but equipment isn't uh, crucial, is it? You can you can do a lot with just you know body weight and and quality of movement rather than worrying about oh where am I going to get a dumbbell from? Absolutely, yeah. No, you're dead right. You, you don't need um, any equipment for for most of the things. Certainly, those knee jumps I just mentioned, you don't need anything at all. Um, you can you can get some good benefit, and they don't cost very much, just from getting some bands um, on possibly one or two medicine balls, and it also adds a lot of um, fun and enjoyment and a sort of slightly different element to the session for the players. So we found them certainly a worthwhile investment. But you, you don't absolutely you don't need to have these things if if, the, if you're not able to afford to to include them in your coaching bag certainly i've certainly found that if you have a piece of equipment lying around people will gravitate towards it and say oh what's this what do we do with this so you know that is um it, it and I'm even talking about you know senior club guys who you know haven't necessarily grown you know they're in their late 20s early 30s perhaps and they and they say oh what's this oh let me have a go with this I've, you know I've seen I've seen Jimmy Anderson chuck a medicine ball around on the telly it must be must be something in it and they'll have a little go at it and it might not be it might not be very um organized but if you can get that little bit of oh okay well you know you know you can slam it a bit better if you do this or you know you got the chance to sort of give them a give them a little tip or idea and then they get used to it and they start doing it regularly then then you've you've broken through that reluctance that you often see especially with older players who, who say to themselves well I've never done it that way so why should I do it anyway? absolutely yeah. mate yeah you, you've piqued the interest and, you, and, and you're allowing the, 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 the drill or the activity to coach itself aren't you so um, I know you I, I really enjoyed the conversations you had on, on your other podcasts and, and, and particularly when you were talking with Andrew about constraints mm. um, just simply setting up a drill or a piece of equipment and giving some simple instruction you can then let the drill coach itself you can let the athletes coach themselves through experiencing the drill um, and that allows you to take a step back actually open your eyes and ears um, work on your silence as, as Stuart talked yeah. about and then when you do have a chance to, to make an intervention you, you know what you're um, you can be clear what your specific point is going to be um, and you can make that as, as clear and succinctly as possible cueing is, is really important you don't want to be waffling on with, with bags and bags of instructions the shorter and more concise and, and the clearer the better really people want to do they want to experience they don't want to stand there listening to you jabber on <laughs> 
the other speaking of jabbering on the other thing the other thing <laughs> we are running a bit low on time but the other thing i wanted to ask you about before we uh, before we wrap it up is about if if people come to you uh, you know as a as a club coach uh, a junior coach perhaps if someone comes to you and says look i want to i want to improve my overall uh, athleticism i want to get fitter i want to get stronger those kind of words that you hear um but I know we only have an hour a week or we only have two hours a week. What can I, what else can I do? What can I go and do? What kind of advice can you give to sort of the club player, the young player who is, wants to work in this, he's keen to work on the thing away from sessions, but you don't want to give them duff advice about, you know, going to a, a personal trainer who's going to get them on the latest fad program, for example. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good point. I think the, the first point is simply just to make sure that um, what they're doing when they are with you is, is safe and appropriate and they're doing it well. Um, and at that point, you can probably be fairly comfortable and confident that they will then be able to go and replicate that out with session so you could potentially start to, to ask them to do some things um, during the rest of the week and then they're getting a little bit more time on task a little bit more frequency and consistency of, of, of training um, but even before that have, have a look at what, what else are they doing uh, you may well see them for one hour per week or two hours per week but there's a hell of a lot of other hours in the week there and there'll be a lot of other demands upon their time and energies um, with, with school and, and hopefully other sports so um the first thing is to make sure that they're not just playing cricket. Let's make sure that they're getting as wide and as deep a movement vocabulary as possible. Let's try and encourage them to play as many different sports as possible. They can get a good con uh, conditioning and, and crossover effect from playing lots of other sports apart from just cricket. They can transfer nicely into their cricket. Um, and that way they're not going down that narrow, shallow um, movement vocabulary of just simply playing cricket and, and the strange and, and weird and, and ridiculous movements that the game demands of us to do repeatedly <laughs> yeah it's all a bit one-sided isn't it cricket you don't you know if you if you bat right-handed you 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 run balance that way if you bat left-handed you run balance the other way and it's it's difficult to you've, you almost want to use that that strength and conditioning side to keep the balance as or bring the balance back as much as possible because otherwise you know you might get too locked into one weird movement mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're dead right. It's a, it's a, it's a strange sport. It's, it's very unilateral. It's very, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it places strange demands on the body, particularly bowling, particularly fast bowling, but, but all, all the, all the skills really. Um, and as you say, you only ever do them one-sided. So there's a huge amount of repetition going on. So anything that allows you to um, hit the reset button, get into a different sport. Um, do some other activity that, that makes sure that you're, you're broadening your horizons it's, it's got to be a good thing um, you've actually got more chance of then staying in love with the game and staying in the game longer rather than specialising early spending all your time and attention on that on that one very narrow thing and then, and then burning out and losing your enjoyment of it potentially getting injured well, hopefully that's given some ideas uh, to people. Thank you for coming on, Smudger, to give us a few uh, a few tips and a few ways of um, approaching that side of cricket in a in a slightly different way. So that's brilliant. If if people wanted to um, catch up with you on Twitter or anything like that, is there a, is there a way they can do that? They can do, yeah. Um, I've got a personal account which is just simply Smudger six two two. We've also got a a Cricket Scotland account as well, which is CS. 
S and C. Um, so yeah, if, if anybody was keen to get in touch, then they could certainly do so via those channels. Um, but yeah, I, w- I would just encourage people to, to make sure that they, they don't fear including athletic development in their coaching. Make sure that you can um, access whatever resources are available to you online or engaging with, with, with experts in the field, seeing what's out there, engaging with fellow coaches who are all already integrating this sort of stuff into their work and just have a go, see what works see what the, the, the players you coach enjoy doing and, and run with it that's a great place to leave it and you can find me of course at david25.com and uh, hanging out at the nets usually at west of scotland cricket club in glasgow so if you want to if you want some uh, cricket stuff whether it's uh, athleticism or if it's technique or if it's anything in between tactical stuff uh, drop me a line that's all for this show thanks for listening